Welcome back, everybody, to For New Eyes Only, the James Bond retrospective podcast where I am watching the movies for the first time. I'm Nathan Simmons. I'm Josh Browning. (laughs) And I I am wearing a powder blue terry cloth onesie, much like the one Sean Connery wears in this very film. So I'm going to go ahead and and start with this story. When I I found out Nathan had one of these, I was going through my Instagram one day and saw you in it on Instagram. And I was like, oh my God. And at that point, I'd never seen these movies and whatnot. So that was Mm -hmm. one of the main things i was waiting to find out when we would get it was was the terry cloth onesie whenever i I busted uh, this bad boy out (laughs) that hugs all of my curves (laughs) and to to be honest it's not very flattering on sean connery in this movie so absolutely not it also stops directly below his balls like there's like there's no i was waiting room. for an egg to just pop out of that nest man when i <laughs> when i wear this i feel like uh like christopher guest and waiting for guffman where i'm just like i'm trying to commit to one side here dear like i gotta i gotta squeeze into this son of a gun but man it's comfy <laughs> well if you haven't figured out by that we mm. are talking about goldfinger tonight mm-hmm. The 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 very like highly uh, like highly regarded James Bond movie Goldfinger the one. like I mean this the is template. the one you hear yeah. about all the time so much so that I thought before we started talking about doing this show I mm-hmm. thought this was the first James Bond movie I didn't think Doctor No oh, was the first James Bond movie. I mean in a lot of ways it could be argued that it is because uh, it really does create the formula by which so many uh, of the rest of the films mm-hmm. abides the dude abides that being said it's it's not one of my favorites and i don't know if it's because um i mean there are some things that much like the last two that we've discovered don't age particularly well mm-hmm. but i think I think it's just because the movies after this, some of the movies do the things that I like in here better. Um, right. But you know, it, it's, it's like, it's like arguing with whether or not the Beatles were, you know, influential or revolutionary where it's just like, <laughs> even if you're not a Beatles fit, which by the way, bond in this movie canonically thinks oh. the Beatles suck. <laughs> uh, I, that, that I will go ahead and tell you, that's one of the reasons this movie is not as highly regarded as some people. <laughs> For, you said for get me. back, James Bond. Yes, get back. Um, man, <laughs> uh, what we needed was like, what Bond needed was that director from Get Back, the, what's his name, Lindsay, Lindsay Hogg? Like, <laughs> he needed he needed someone to hide just microphones in every villain's lair. Right. I haven't got a chance to watch Get Back yet, but oh, I'm... Oh, man, it's a it, trip, dude. It's, 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 my, been- it's, it's great. Yeah, I mean, you know, we've been in bands. We know how the whole mm-hmm. band aesthetic is. And knowing the fact that this is kind of like the fly on the wall, look at the Beatles just disbanding. Well, to the oh. point where, like, we've watched music biopics together and yeah. laughed at how wrong it is. Like, I mean, <laughs> granted, neither of us were in bands that, like, are going to be, they're not going to make movies about us later unless, you <laughs> right. know, one of us kills the other during the show. I don't know. But, like... <laughs> And the band is just part of the prologue, but like the, the yeah, the, there's. Mo- I remember we watched Bohemian Rhapsody together, and there was a bit where you were just like, "That's how it goes, right, Nate?" Everybody just, 
There is just that one. That's the thing about movies, especially when you're a musician, is like people don't mm-hmm. understand when you have that train of thinking in your mind mm-hmm. and you're watching something and you're like, you understand that it's an art form and you know that they're doing the best they can, but it's like, that's not right. And, and you you're gotta, not doing you gotta, that right. Yeah. <laughs> and you got to compress things and change the timeline. Although I will say like, you know, my, my band was, you know, we didn't have the budget to uh, just go into a studio and have me step up there and say like, follow my lead in G and then just fuck around until an album came out. Right. Like you got to pay for that studio time, son. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Biopics drive me nuts. There's only a couple that I can watch that I can stand like, uh, and it's, uh, well, I mean, in music movies in general, it's just whenever there's music involved, like I love the drama surrounding mm-hmm. it, but when you get to the musical part of it, I just, it's like nails on a chalkboard because I know shit doesn't work that way. But I had also had issues with um, Straight Outta Compton. It's like there's that scene in there where where it's like it shows them writing ain't nothing but a G thing. And I'm like, I doubt it did. I doubt it went down like this. (laughs) My favorite scene in Straight Outta Compton is when uh, when Ice Cube's wife comes in and goes, how's writing Friday going, baby? (laughs) You know, the way that people talk. Hey, watch. We're going to make we're going to make this scene really meta. Watch this. And watch this dialogue. And he's, just, and he's sitting there at the typewriter going like, I think it's very funny. <laughs> uh, tr- uh, truth best. be told, I love Friday. I could quote that movie more oh, than any movie yeah, yeah, in yeah. the world. But uh-huh. Uh, but we're not talking about that movie tonight. tonight. No, we're surprisingly about, enough, we're not talking about Friday today. I could talk about Friday for hours <laughs> and hours. Uh, Nathan, let's go ahead and get to your little segment here and try and give us the breakdown of this movie in 007 sure. seconds or less. And yeah, then we'll get to, then we'll find out if uh, my guess from last week was right. Okay. So, all right, let me get my timer here. Three, two, one, go. Bond's vacation is interrupted when he's tasked with intercepting a plot by gold-hungry supervillain Arik Goldfinger. Oh, good one. Under six Ooh. seconds this time. Yeah. 5.98 seconds. Take that. Are <laughs> <laughs> oh, you expect yeah. me to count? <laughs> uh, no, I expect you to choke. The uh, <laughs> This movie, Goldfinger, 1964, um, I brought this upstairs as well, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, because it was uh, uh, the movie came out in 1964 as well. Uh, the book was written in 64. I've got Goldfinger with me. Uh, nice. Just showing off my props. Got the gold. Got the soundtrack with that uh, immortal Shirley Bassey theme song and the great John Barry score. Um, yeah, d- directed by Guy Hamilton, his his first Bond film, replacing Terrence Young from the last two. Uh, Terrence Young was originally supposed to come back, but uh, uh, there were there were uh, pay disputes, uh, so he ended up making a different film. And I think, um, as much as I love those first two films, I think that Guy Hamilton made this really interesting choice to lean more into the comedy and the the silliness. Um, I mean, there's some of it that goes a little too far mm-hmm. um, and future uh, uh, future films will kind of uh, bounce back and forth between uh, too goofy and, and not fun enough in, in, in weird ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but Guy Hamilton came into this thing basically saying, um, Bond is a superhero at this point. People know he's not going to die. So instead of making a movie where the question is, oh my God, is James Bond going to get out of this one? 
he made it more of a let's watch him kind of have this tete-a-tete with the villain let's mm-hmm. lean more into how you know cool the villain is and how you know formidable he is and how big his operation is and I, and I think it works in the movie's favor because I, I don't think there's ever I don't think there's ever any tension and not just because there's 50 more years of movies after this, but <laughs> I, I feel like uh, the, the strength in this movie is just in how much fun everybody's having. Um, right. That being said, uh, I find Goldfinger to be a, uh, not a particularly interesting villain. <laughs> no. Um, and, and let's I'll go ahead and say, my my guess of this movie was very brief last week. Mm. Oh yeah, uh, sorry, I totally was, jumped on all that. Oh no, you're fine. And uh, so my guess for this movie was uh, Bond's gonna battle a guy who's got a gold finger. Ah, yes, that's right. Simple and sweet. It's, and surprisingly yeah, enough, right to the point. Uh, I'm I wasn't that far off. I mean, it gets a little more complicated no. than that, but it's the basic it's a, premise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, not, not a hundred percent there, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's so funny because I remember as a kid having a hard time following this plot and it's, it's pretty straightforward, I think. Well, I mean, as a 41 year old man, I had a little bit of trouble following this plot. (laughs) Yeah. So maybe, maybe it's just because I've seen it a bunch of times. I do think when it gets confusing is when it throws in the scene with the gangsters, which is just there for exposition. And then they're killed off screen. (laughs) I find all of that hilarious. And we'll talk about it when we get to that scene. Oh yeah. But yeah, I mean, uh, just coming into this one, like, you know, coming in from from Russia with love hot like that yeah. that that cold open was awesome and then you get in you know you introduce Red Grant right then and there you mm-hmm. move into that story and that feels like that one moves at a great pace mm-hmm. this one starts a little goofy honestly like well see i i kind of like so this also uh, establishes the trend of a fun uh sort of cold open action sequence that's basically not connected to the rest of the film other than it gets him to america you know yeah. and it's like um which the reason that they wanted to do this film was uh the, well the original plan was the next adaptation they were going to do was honor Majesty's secret service which mm-hmm. is my favorite of the books um and spoiler alert one of my favorite films uh period not just in the franchise okay. and so uh when they get to they they started to work on that but there were issues with securing locations uh in switzerland uh, and they specifically wanted to shoot it in the swiss alps like the book right um which I, I love that shit. They're just throwing around like they, these movies are kind of like travelogues in that way, um, especially as they go on. But uh, so the next option was Thunderball and we'll get to this next month. But Thunderball was tied up in a lengthy legal battle. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, and so the next option was Goldfinger, um, which has a plot that the producers thought might appeal more to an American audience. Um, mm-hmm. That was kind of a thing Sean Connery hated about it. He, he said that the film felt too American, uh, the script yeah. was. So they had a bunch of rewrites and stuff. But yeah, that is how we then get to a movie that opens with Bond wearing a fake seagull hat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and... You know, I watched Is this that one. already the point of no return for you. <laughs> no, it's not. I actually okay. I got a good laugh out of it. But, mm. uh, you know, I was watching it with Jenny and she she kind of like had a little gut laugh. It's great. <laughs> because she wasn't expecting it. No, um, 
I did notice in this one they do a lot of the, and I think this was a common thing with comedies back in the back in the mm. old days, and with speeding up the film when they're trying a lot to make... of speed ramping. There's one bit where I think it works really well, but a mm-hmm. couple of times there's there's weird speed ramping and weird uh, jump cuts. Like yeah. there's a lot of stuff that's like done to kind of uh, give the illusion of of a quicker action, right? Uh, but yeah, there's there especially right up top with the the grappling gun and the, mm-hmm. the at any time Bond throws someone, this the the film is sped up. Yeah, uh, which I think is very funny because Honor Blackman doesn't need someone to speed up the film for her to do a judo throw because <laughs> <laughs> uh, she'd been doing the Avengers at this point, so she was like well versed in how to chuck a guy across a room. Right. Um, yeah, I but I think what's great about this opening, uh, you, you get a you get a, a weird little gadget, you get him sneaking in, and the Bond theme right away. I mean, yeah. I feel like from the beginning, this movie's kind of built different. Yeah, and and it's moving through the movie because I mm-hmm. you know again watching these for the first time, me here. Um, I'm getting established with the movies as we're going forward. So, yeah. And you know, I'm trying I'm, not to tip things too much for you. Right. Right. And, and the thing about, you know, coming from, from where I'm going to be referencing from Russia with love a lot in this episode. So it's be prepared. It's so not fair that you've watched that so recently. I mean, it really is like, that is that the, the biggest, one of the biggest knocks that I have against this movie is that it's not as like, grounded and dialed in as from Russia with love. Right. Right. And I'm watching this opening scene, which is, is good. And it's, it's fun to, it's fun watching bond run around and, being a tuxedo underneath his, his fucking dive suit. Oh my and God. The dinner. Ja- I forget about the dinner jacket under the diving suit every time. And it crushes <laughs> me. That was another spot where my wife laughed a little bit. So um, good. And he you blows know, up heroin soaked bananas. <laughs> the first time I watched it, I've been watching these multiple times, by the way, mm-hmm. but the first, the first time I watched it, I was watching this scene. And again, like, as you go through the movie, you find out that scene means nothing to this movie. <laughs> you kept waiting for Goldfinger to be like, of course, you know, I have to kill you for what you did to my bananas. <laughs> right. Uh, when he gets in there, I was like, is this one of Dr. No's hideouts? Because it looks a lot oh, like Dr. Sure. No's lair. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's you bring up a good point. I think that's going to be another thing with me is I'm going to be watching these movies in fairly close proximity to one another. So therefore yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to be very fresh with what I saw the last time and what oh, we're going into the next, this one. Uh, but yeah. And, and again, like coming from, from Russia with love, mm-hmm. this one just seems to move at a snail's pace compared to that one. I agree. I think the, I think the pacing is a little goofy or is a little, a little off at times. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, especially because there's so many scenes in this that feel like, uh, you know, it's kind of like what we talked about with Dr. No, where we're watching Bond check into a hotel mm-hmm. or we're watching a car go down the street. There's so many things here where you can tell that they were very novel at the time. Like they were very proud of these set pieces and they want to get every bit of coverage mm-hmm. uh, on the screen. Cause otherwise why did they spend all this money? Right. <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, there are so many sequences where I found myself just thinking like, we are watching this happen in real fucking time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and we'll, we'll get to it as particularly like towards the end of the movie. I, yeah. I think, I think the final act really drags, unfortunately. Um, well, um, one thing I, I noticed yeah. in the, one thing I noticed in the cold open though, is um, the girl who's dancing in the club when he gets there and who he goes to her room after right. it's the same actress who was playing Karen Bay's wife. 
and from oh Russian with love. God. You're right. I don't think I ever put that together. I noticed it from right off the bat, just her dancing in the club. I was like, holy sure? shit, that's Karen Bay's wife. And I looked it up. Her, She was in two Bond movies from Russia with Love and Goldfinger. Wow. She's the one that he says, uh, uh, back to the salt mines. Too. Yep. She's <laughs> wow. the one. Wow. Karen Bay. Karen Bay. It's the same her. actress. I, uh, She's I, I, great in this scene, too. Um, we, we get a little bit of a sort of a repeat of the um the sequence from the oh shoot what's her name uh the the femme fatale in in uh dr no i can't remember her name i'm gonna look honey not honey the uh the 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 double agent um miss taro we get a little bit of that sequence um but that's what i kind of what i love about this opening is that this feels like the ending of another adventure that we haven't seen yet you know Um, so it's, it's fun to kind of have him walk in and there's this woman that he already has this pre-established relationship with that we're not privy to. Right. And, and it just feels like the end of a long day for James. Mm -hmm. Um, I love that he is so nonchalant while everything's exploding around him. Uh, everyone else rushes out. Um, and then he, he kills that guy by chucking a a lamp into the or the the the, into the water into the tub yeah and we get that really cold uh shocking shocking simply shocking (laughs) or positively shocking um but yeah he sees the attacker in his date's eyes i think that's a really great uh really interesting shot but i love that shot fun fight scene uh fun fight scene that shot reminds me have you seen alfred hitchcock strangers on a train Yes. There's yeah, a partic- uh-huh. there's a particular shot in there where they shoot uh, someone's eye, and you can see someone in the reflection of it. It really reminded me of that shot. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah. So yeah, I felt like that shot of seeing the guy in her the reflection of her eye. It reminded yeah. me a lot of that Alfred Hitchcock shot. Um, <laughs> Hitchcock shot. Uh, something <laughs> something just doesn't sound right about that. Classic um, Hitchcock shot. <laughs> Hitchcock shot part two. <laughs> Jason said that a lot in our body double episode. So if you want to hear that, go check that yeah. out. But um, he totally uses her as a human shield, though. As soon as he sees that guy. Oh, in the I mean, that's the thing about Bond is like, if you're out to kill him, you immediately are like expendable. Like he yeah. is fine with and and to do it to his credit. Unlike with Miss Taro, he doesn't he doesn't like then go back and be like, all right, we should still try to like have yeah. a thing. <laughs> I didn't come um, here for no reason at all. <laughs> right. I mean, that was my big problem with him in from Russia with love is that he like he kind of smacks Tanya around and mistreats her. And then it's like, Oh, uh, I was mistaken. So everything's fine. (laughs) And Um, something tells me that's not the last time we'll see bond do something like that. So it's not, but I I think that each movie kind of learns from the one before it, uh, in, in interest in odd ways. Um, this leads us directly into the, title song written by Anthony Newley and Leslie Brickus, who you may know for <laughs> writing uh, such incredible songs as the music for Dr. Doolittle, uh, Goodbye Mr. Chips, and Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Uh, <laughs> what do you think about Goldfinger? 
I've been it's walking really around messy. singing Goldfinger. Oh man, I this song slaps. I mean, it's super silly, but I love it so much. He's the man. <laughs> Just the kidding. man with the Midas touch. But as as funny as it was to me when I first started yeah. watching the movie and I was just laughing at it, I've been singing it for the for the past week. It's catchy. It, it, it gets yeah. stuck in your head, man. Yeah. Uh, weird weird little bit of trivia. Uh, Jimmy Page played on this song. Uh, I don't know what he did on it, but he was a set. He's credited as a session musician on it. Wow. Um, yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, this is the first kind of big brassy James Bond theme. I mean, we had the Matt Monroe from Rush with Love, but it plays mm-hmm. over the credits. Right. Um, we've come a long way already from Three Blind Mice. Yes, uh, I, I really like how this one. It's its own, you know, kind of like all the themes are, but it has. It's its own thing, but it has mm-hmm. those little nodes of the Bond theme within it. Yeah. Yeah, and the horn section is so good, and it works so well when they. Uh, like do like weird little interpolations of it in the score. Yeah. Um, there's a bit when, uh, when Bond, when Felix is, is like speeding through the town where it like mixes the gold finger theme and the bond theme together. Mm-hmm. And it's so, ah, it just, it. Really yeah. It, whereas in Russia from Russia with love, you just kind of heard that or- orchestral part of it or the song sure. throughout the movie in certain places. Right. You start to see where they weave it into the score a lot here. And, uh, yeah. I didn't. I did notice the score throughout this movie. Is is score is really good. I noticed it a lot more than I did the last two movies, which is and, odd because there's moments that have no music where I'm just thinking like this would, unlike the the fight scene in From Russia with Love, I'm like this really needs music. The fight between uh, Bond and Oddjob at the end of the movie is yeah. totally silent and it drives me up the wall. Like I right. want, I just want like a little bit of a sting or something. Mm-hmm. Um. What was your reaction to seeing the credit and Honor Blackman as Pussy Galore? <laughs> well, I I knew of the character Pussy okay. Galore. Okay. So, uh, you know, in what context, I didn't know. But I knew <laughs> that she was a Bond character. Okay, gotcha. Um, so I, I honestly, I guess this makes sense. I honestly expected her to be in Octopussy. No, sure. Uh, um, you'd but, be surprised who uh, is in Octopussy. <laughs> I love when you give me these little hints of what to look for and what's coming. <laughs> um, the uh, yeah, I I love that character. I, Honor Blackman. I I knew as a kid from watching uh, the Avengers, uh, the the British spy series. I was just I was really into spy stuff when I was a kid. I mean, really, I was more of really a Diana British fan. Huh? Really into British stuff, actually. I loved British stuff. I mean, my dad was showing me like old tapes of Doctor Who that he recorded off of PBS. So mm-hmm. like, I was inundated with. I mean, I had no escape. I, there's no chance I wasn't going to be a Bond fanatic. I mean, um, the other thing I want to mention, uh, Gert Frobe, uh, who plays Goldfinger, uh, mm-hmm. and he's he's also dubbed uh, by uh, an actor, uh, Michael Collins. Because uh, his he his English was really poor. Right. Uh, he they they he learned all of his lines phonetically. Guy Hamilton was like he did a fantastic job, but it's just not it it didn't read on screen. Like we yeah. couldn't really follow him. Um, and doing ADR didn't really help. So, uh, but the thing that always stuck out to me about this actor, um, is that he well about his name rather is that he uh, in. <laughs> In the motion picture Joe Dirt, 
uh, <laughs> at the very end of the movie when uh, Christopher Walken uh, has changed his na- uh, name again, gone into witness protection. That's uh-huh. the name that he chooses. He's like, my name is Gert Frobe. <laughs> and I remember as a kid thinking that's the dumbest. No one would ever be named that. Uh <laughs> And I, I was wrong. I was wrong. <laughs> um, the the producers wanted Orson Welles for the for the uh, for the part, but he demanded way too much money. I um, bet he did. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, and you know, like four years later, he'd play Le Chiffre in the uh, in the Casino Royale uh, parody. Ah, uh, the the yeah. parody that we will not be talking about on this. <sighs> maybe we'll do bits of it. I don't know. I'm I'm I'm. I'm starting to come around to the idea of maybe doing segment like a section on it or like at least at least touching on it in passing. But I I, I don't know. We'll 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 discuss it off mic for sure. Yeah. Oh, well, there's a few things we've discussed off mic that I'm a little excited for. Uh, Me namely, too. Yeah. Namely, a movie that we've been talking about, maybe including within this. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's <laughs> a like- couple. Um, but I, you know, I, I fully didn't expect, and, and again, I kind of want to revert back to when I was talking about watching this movie for the first time. Oh, yeah, of course. Um, That's I didn't really here. get, I didn't really get the, what was going on in that first, the cold open. Yeah. And then when we ended up in Miami beach, I was just like, I wasn't expecting that. Which uh, was, <laughs> which was like shot, uh, like some of it is rear projection and some of it isn't. Did you notice that? Or like yes, they magnified I, the background? How could you not? I don't know why I asked if you noticed that you've got a nicer TV than I do. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, that's a couple of the things you notice right off the bat when this mm-hmm. starts. Uh, one is um, we're going to get to the this. Onesie. Like, well, there's the onesie, which, you know, we're going to get to a couple of instances in this movie where there's some treatment of women that's just weird and not. I think that the um, <laughs> the cardinal sin of this movie is that uh, the the women in this movie have almost no agency. Uh, I, I, you know, as as much tr- as much issue as we took with uh, the how Tanya was treated in From Russia with Love, she at least had. Uh, her own ulterior motives and a plan and she went along with James because she wanted to everyone almost every woman in this movie there's four women with speaking roles in this movie mm-hmm. one of them is money penny and two of them die immediately right it's a bummer it is and 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 the treatment of the the women in this movie is just and it's because we're watching it many many years later yeah well, it's a, it's that thing uh, that Gail Simone kind of raised uh, awareness of in the '90s and 2000s, the, the fridging. Like it's there's so many. There, both of the Mastersons are killed to motivate James Bond. That is yeah. what their characters exist to do. Right, <laughs> is die, and it's a it's a bummer because yeah. especially especially with Tilly, where you're just like for half a second, you're like, man, this is the Bond girl. Like this is like. She's gonna. She's out for revenge, and they'll. Yeah. They will. I think the series will try to rectify that in later entries with um, characters with very similar trajectories that uh, you know have have a better better told storyline. Yeah, um, but you know, there's the whole when when Felix shows up to talk to Bond, and he man you know man talk, and he smacks her ass as she walks oh, away. Yeah, I know. And- I hated that. Uh, uh yeah you know jenny was watching with me and she was like oh that was attractive you know it's <laughs> right yeah uh by the way felix Leiter, 
how are you feeling about uh, already having replaced the actor and Felix has apparently aged 30 years in the, in the last two movies? I'll tell you what. The only reason I knew it was Felix. Well, mm-hmm. he, he calls him Felix later Felix. and then I finally caught on to that. But I had my subtitles on and it says Felix next to his name when he talks. <laughs> so sure. therefore, I had no idea it was him. And I was like, oh, shit. Like if, if I wouldn't have had the subtitles on, I wouldn't have known that was Felix later. <laughs> Because he's a different actor. Yeah. That actor's name is Keck Linder, which is like, what a name, what a name that you could only have in the sixties. Like what an incredible name. Come here, Keck. Keck. (laughs) C-E-C. Love it. Wow. C-E-C Felix factory. (laughs) But another thing is what is up with the, with the, with the ladies names in this movie dink. And then you got pussy galore. Like dink is, yeah, that's a wild name, especially for a character (laughs) that is ostensibly from the United States. I don't know if that is like, maybe he was just like, that's what they call like, maybe he was like, that's what they call women. Like in in the United States, those are are the kind of names they have these days, these hippies. Uh, (laughs) Bond has a lot of, uh, weird opinions uh in this movie the uh matt you know he also goes to a uh hotel where apparently you can ice skate and imagine going to miami to ice skate inside <laughs> i mean some motherfuckers are always trying to ice skate uphill but ice skating inside <laughs> somebody's always training for the olympics man they gotta have they I gotta guess. have it where they can get it <laughs> yeah my my note here is man talk yikes um rear projection in the card game uh, I do like this little bit though, where where Felix does come to him and he's like, "Hey, uh, I have a message from M." And Bond is essentially like, he says, "I'm sorry to interrupt your vacation." And Bond says, "Like, I should have known M wouldn't pay for me to be at a nice fucking hotel if there wasn't work involved." It's <laughs> right. a really good joke. Uh, this is kind of where I started watching this mo- movie through a, a different lens. Is there's some things that happen in this movie that are so ridiculous that I felt the need to start live tweeting while I was watching it. And sure. Nathan, Nathan saw some of these tweets and, um, but what gets me and what the, 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 the lens I was started watching the movie through at this point is, is to take something from one of your shows that you talk about quite often on uh, silver linings. Bond is a total fucking scamp in this movie. He's a real scamp. Oh my God. I mean, there's a, there's a sequence in the prison that we'll get to later that I cackled. I, I forget. There's so many things that I forget about in this movie. Um, real and, scamp. And and what made me want to start just like going off on Twitter was I can't watch this movie. And like, I, it pains me to think about the fact that mm. he is 10 years younger than I am in this movie. I know. And how like people just looked different 60 years ago <laughs> we were talking about this on uh on oh that's a scary movie where we were, we were like what is it about teenagers in like 80s and 70s movies mm-hmm. even though even when they're not played by 40 year olds which happened a lot <laughs> but like i think it's because they look like pictures of my dad and so it's like you, you see a picture, you see someone that looks like what I know my dad looked like in the seventies. Mm-hmm. And I'm immediately, my brain goes, Oh, they're, they're older. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, I think that's really what it is. If I look at a, if I look at like, I mean, yeah, I see Sean Connery in this movie and I'm just like, Oh, well, he's clearly, you know, 50 years old. He's what in his late thirties. Right. Yeah. yeah. Insane. 
And, and it's like, I'm older now than that dude is then. And it just blows my fucking mind. And it, it also, it, it's also worth noting that you can really see the lines on his toupee. If you watch the, if you watch the Blu-ray of this one, <laughs> you start to see a lot of his, like, especially in an HD television, like the, the lines in his face in this one quite a bit. Sure. Uh, but you know, it's just, you know, for, <laughs> I don't know why I'm so weirded out by this, but the fact that his legs are just covered in dark hair and really dark, thick the chest hair. man of all time. It's just like, yeah. he doesn't, he doesn't scream a young man to me in these movies. No. And no. yeah. And that's where I like the, the, this connotation on Bond movies is like this highest stature, like 50 year old guy going out being a spy and he's just prim and proper, but no, like, yeah. You, you get it from when he goes to see M, like, they're done putting up with Bond shit. Like, he is a scamp. Like, he's, he is... He's over it. This is, for my money, one of, like... I mean, so we... Yeah, the all the stuff with, with M in this movie crushes me. I think he, he has in, no he has no room no pay, for Bond's no bullshit. No one does. <laughs> I mean, so we get that we get that great sequence with well, we, well, yeah, we get the great sequence with Jill where he Bond acts like a total scamp and, you know, mm -hmm. taps on the radio to start losing Goldfinger. <laughs> And I was uh, also a little taken aback by the fact that this was Goldfinger. I, I for whatever reason, like sure, because he doesn't he doesn't like fit the the mold of like he's not menacing. He's not like uh, I feel he, the he, same way. He's not intimidating by any means. Like no. that's why that's kind of why he has to have odd job. You know? Yeah, uh, he's sort of like he's the money man, right? Yeah. Like it's it's sort of like just kind of beating the hell out of a. Uh, you know, when they finally fight, I think they make the great choice to the fight doesn't last very long. He only <laughs> it only lasts as long as it does because Bond's a little surprised. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the uh, he uh, immediately Bond, you know, Bond and Jill hit it off and odd job sneaks in. There's that great kind of Michael Myers esque shot of of odd job uh -huh. sneaking up on him and knocking him out after bond makes a comment about listening to the Beatles without earmuffs, <laughs> how it's just simply not done. I was like, Oh, well, fuck you, James. <laughs> he refers to, uh, he refers to the champagne as passion juice. I don't know if you caught that. He whispers now, where is this passion juice? Um, but yeah, then he's called into the office. Uh, and M essentially tells him like, you fucked this up. Yeah. Like you, the, the worst thing you can do is make this uh, a personal thing is bond's furious that jill's been murdered he's just mm -hmm. like that's wrong like she didn't do anything wrong yeah um which is also weird considering he's known her for an hour right i think it's more you know? the injustice than anything else but yeah it is it is it is strange it's also he um well i i there are things about bond in the books at this point that i think might inform how his reaction to this but because they've because they filmed these out of sequence, mm -hmm. it doesn't quite it doesn't quite line up with his personal code of you know what's right. what's proper. But uh, yeah, I, I like that M tells him, "I need you to be cold. I need you to be a blunt instrument for uh -huh. you to be able to do your job." And Bond gives him a little bit of pushback. He's like, "I need to know what the mission is, sir, mm -hmm. before I can you know do any of the things you're asking me to." Um, and uh, I, I just really I like this little bit because Bernard Lee is is so um, 
he's firm but like gentle in 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 an interesting way where he he knows that bond's been shaken up but he also knows bond's the best guy he's got i gotta you know take care of you and this is i love this scene with money penny so much where she she does the hat toss yeah i i chuckled at that i was like oh like i was so i'm expecting to see connery toss it now and then that was a nice little switch up for me i was like oh that was that was cute it's great and then (laughs) emma just really cuts that shit off he's like kindly cut omit the customary play uh by play with 007 miss money penny uh he's joining me for dinner tonight and I, uh, I, I noticed m was uh, well i felt like m was a lot more stern in this movie like it was like no bullshit yes. same when he visits q when he when he goes oh, to see q later man i mean the the thing about bond in this movie is it be, it begins the sort of uh there's a thing that kind of runs through these where as they go along, he starts to become like an encyclopedia. Like he knows everything. It's sort uh-huh. of like uh weird scenes with, like in the Sherlock Holmes books where he will suddenly have just this arcane knowledge of one very specific thing. So right. you get the dinner sequence where he, he recognizes the Nazi gold immediately and like mm-hmm. can kind of pinpoint where it's from. He real he reasons that the, the brandy sucks because there's an overdose of Bon Bois. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, the, the Q scene, if you want to talk about people who don't give a fuck about James Bond, <laughs> Q could be doing anything else on earth, man. He is like, I, this is just really where I started to notice how much they think bond is just this like troublemaker fucking kid that works for them and that he never gives the, his, his shit back in one piece. He's always, he's always off being a a ladies man somewhere. He's more interested in anything else, but the job yet he does his job the best out of anybody. I love it. Like Q and Q and James Bond are like Calvin and Hobbes. Like, like <laughs> Q, he walks in. I love these little this montage. Like you walk in, there's a, a parking meter that emits knockout gas. Yeah, what the there's hell? a bulletproof jack, uh, like duster, and Q is just like it's not perfected yet. Um, Desmond Llewellyn is so funny in this scene, and there's this great bit where, um, in the script, I mean, he was kind of like you know sort of uh really sweet in the last movie he's just kind Uh of there to do his job here's your gold sovereigns here's your knife yeah he was Uh, he was no bullshit but he was he's he's being a little smart ass this little so uh, this was another guy hamilton bit where uh apparently in the script uh q was seated and then when bond walks in he would leap to his feet and you know sort of stand at attention and start telling him everything and Uh, I found this quote from a uh, Guy Hamilton interview where he says, I looked at him and said, you hate the bugger. He says, why do I hate him? Well, think about it. He comes down here, pays no attention to what you say, takes your props away, uses them in completely different ways than you intended, never returns them. I mean, the man's a menace as far as you're concerned. And the sooner 009 turns up, the happier you'll be. (laughs) And that is the intention in this scene. It is, yeah. it is like, I mean, the, the one of my favorite moments in the whole series is, you know, Bond saying, you know, the ejector seat, you're joking. <laughs> I never joke about my work, 007. Yes. <laughs> so it's incredible. Meanwhile, I'm over here just like James. I'm like, oh yes, finally the ejector seat. <laughs> yeah, and he he says like, and he he lays out all. I love this whole. I love any gadget scene where he's just like, he has your magnetic homing beacon. 
you know, the, the smaller brother lives in your shoe. Don't, he essentially tells James, don't have sex in my car. Bring it back <laughs> in one spot, in one piece. Bond's like rolling his eyes. I, it's so good. Like this whole sequence is incredible. See, that, that's the thing, man. Like I've always, I've always seen, especially Sean Connery's James Bond as this, you know, prim, proper, you know, you know, older gentleman who is a, a, a master spy. Yeah. No, he's not. He, he, he is a 30 year old man trying to get his and work keeps getting in the way. <laughs> yeah. He, he's just, for, he's given up on hanging out with Sylvia Trench at this point. Cause yeah. you, uh, you know, M's even bothering him on vacation. Right. I mean, um, we also get the first, the, the, the Aston Martin DB five. I mean, this car is, which gorgeous. bond is disappointed by. He wants his Bentley. Where's my, where's Bentley? my Bentley? And he's like, Oh, it simply won't do like it is very, <laughs> much like this poor guy like he's got a gun that he likes he's got a car that he likes and these fuckers won't let him have them right. he's I, like the teenager in the house so you're finally giving him the car well, but he's ungrateful because it's not the car he wanted you know in his in his bentley like underneath like the sun visor he's got little notches for every time that he's like <laughs> sealed the deal like because bonds a grosso um yeah and, and, but then we you know we go from this I think this is kind of the whiplash you're talking about here, where we go from this very fun, very, uh, you know, uh, effects driven kind of, uh, shtick driven sequence to golfing. Golf. <laughs> <laughs> it and, does. And, and, and to be fair, there's some really funny bits in the sequence. I mean, between Sean Connery and, uh, Jerry Dugan, who plays his caddy yeah. are so funny together. I it's, think that their chemistry is excellent. It, it, it's funny because like James literally met this guy like five minutes ago. Like they had to yeah. get him a caddy and, and they're trading off like this. Well, and, and the implication, you know, when it's, it's just, it's revealed at the end of the scene that Goldfinger owns this club. Yeah. So that caddy is employed by the club <laughs> and his whole, his whole actor's secret is fuck my boss. <laughs> like this guy sucks. I honestly hadn't thought of that at all until you said it. It's so funny when you like, yeah, when you watch it again, knowing that like Goldfinger is like his boss. It's so funny. Uh, and he, his, his whole, his whole vibe is so fun. I mean, and I love that Bond is just like, I know this guy's going to cheat. That's his whole deal. Uh -huh. um, he can't stand to lose. Um, I thought and, the whole ball switching stuff was a little silly though, because I, I don't, it, it just, it doesn't, it didn't seem like anything that would be like a swift spy would do to like, no. to, to, he, like, I'm, I'm going to change this motherfucker's ball out. Watch. He's fully <laughs> doing it to like fuck with, like Goldfinger's sense of vanity. I yeah. mean, he drops, he walks up. The first thing he does, he drops a fucking bar of Nazi gold on the green. <laughs> and, uh, and Goldfinger is nonplussed. He's just like, Oh, that seems nice. Let's play for it. Um, and we are introduced to odd job. Uh, and again, as someone who is familiar with the Austin Powers movies first, how, how was your introduction to Odd Job, Josh? Uh, <clears throat> he's no Red Grant. Yeah. Sorry. Um, better than I, Random Task, though. <laughs> random Task. Yes, very much better than that. Uh, but 
one thing that got me, and mm -hmm. I'm probably being very superficial about this, is, you know, he tells Bond that he's a mute, yet yeah. he still kind of communicates. I, I don't know. Like, yeah, it just means that he can't, he's not capable of, like, full speech. Yeah. Right, right. But, yeah, he does the kind of Oz, and he he yells at one point. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, I, I like the... He has such a warm smile, and I love that his reaction every time he sees Bond is to just smile politely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and yeah, I, I um, it, it is interesting. Like the uh, we, we get that <laughs> bit with the hat where he like knocks the the yeah. head off of the the statue. But yeah, he's he's not he's not my favorite. I will say that I love. Um, stuff that's been done with this character since this movie, uh, not mm -hmm. in the film series, but like uh, Greg Pak uh, wrote a, an excellent James Bond series for dynamite comics that mm -hmm. kind of reimagined the Goldfinger odd job story. Right. And odd job is now a, uh, a Korean special agent who um, is essentially like, bonds equal and has uh has been like brainwashed and fights against his programming and like all it uh that is totally worth seeking out i uh, not just because i reviewed every issue for aipt comics but <laughs> but because i i love that book um and uh yeah there's uh but i you know bonds immediately on the case he's following he's following goldfinger even after he's paid up and um i love the crane shot of bond watching goldfinger and then it pans up even more and tilly is on mm -hmm. the you know on the green like pointing the rifle at him it's very it's it's a very weird introduction to tilly because it, it's yeah. just an all of a sudden she's here and, and she wants I, him to get out of the way yeah I, like i was assuming she worked for goldfinger at that point mm -hmm. because it's like what what's going on here because she shoots at him or yeah. it looks like she shoots at him yeah. right and another weird place to have a, a rear projection shot or the, the, yeah. the blow up like when they're standing on the side of the road and you can see goldfinger walking and it's is projected yes. behind him is like those little I understand this was back in the 60s and this is what they had to do to make their yeah. movies, but it, it it definitely takes you out of the scenes when you're watching it and that stuff happens. I agree. I, I will, Although I, I think the rear projection during the actual car chases is so much better than the last two movies. Yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. I think that stuff matches up a little bit better in terms of like speed and fidelity. Um, yeah, this little sequencer bond is sneaking in and kind of overhearing everything. I mean, he hears Operation Grand Slam. He doesn't know what that is, and then immediately he sees. Uh, which what, did you? Did it make you want Denny's? Like what's up? <laughs> no, this is another moment when this. While I was watching this, that I had to start tweeting. Uh -huh. and, you know, they say Operation Grand Slam, and I was like, this sounds like something that you and your drunk friends would do at three o'clock in the morning at a Denny's. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Right, Operation Grand Slam. We're gonna break into the Win Dixie and steal all the waffles. Right, and and uh, just and every time they say it in the movie moving forward, I was just like, this is the most ridiculous name I've heard for a covert operation. <laughs> operation Churro Munch. Um, yeah, I and, and there's a lot of ADR in this mm -hmm. movie. I mean, not just from Goldfinger. I like every henchman is dubbed. I think yeah. I, 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 there's. There's so many scenes of uh, 
I think Felix's partner might be dubbed. There's, there's a bunch of that. Um, but it's really noticeable during the escape sequence. Although I do think this chase rules. I mean, the uh, Bond use, ticks off every gadget. It's so I'm so glad that Q listed them all earlier because we get mm-hmm. to see each and every one of them. And I love the reaction Tilly has to the smoke screen. Like he can't help but <laughs> smile because she's like giggling about it. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, we, we, we learn that Tilly is out to kill Goldfinger. They have a chase sequence and odd job kills her. I mean, it's. I, I was confused at first because. It's almost like they shouldn't have. It feels like her character goes nowhere. Right. It's like a non-starter. Yeah. But honestly, you can say the same thing about her sister. I agree. And I, I think it's a it's a failing on the movie and the source material that there's not more to them. Yeah, like it 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 definitely doesn't make them seem important to this plot at all. It, it doesn't. And I, I think maybe if you had one and not the other, I, I don't know. I, I think the idea of a character who because we've seen these kind of uh, you know, the, these these female characters get disposed of in this way. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we, we've already seen it happen in previous movies. And the idea of there being actual repercussions of another character seeking revenge for that, that's not Bond, mm-hmm. I think is really fascinating. And I yeah. wish I wish we had Tilly for the rest of the movie. Um, right. And, and that's the other thing that makes it strange is, is shortly thereafter they kill Tilly, they mm-hmm. introduce Pussy. And it's like, okay, like, it's like they always have to have working through it. Yeah. Yeah. We're just going down a line. I mean, yeah, it's a, it's a bummer because, and it's also, it's a weird moment when he checks her, when he checks her pulse, you almost think that the movie's setting it up for her to be okay. Yeah. Like I I didn't think she was dead. Yeah. Connery doesn't really have a reaction to it. Well, that's another thing about these, these movies and them being older too, is they give us this demonstration of the hat taking this stone thing, yeah. you know, decapitating a stone and the fact figure. That knock her block off. You're just like, Oh, she's probably okay. Right. But in reality, they, they couldn't show anything more graphic than what they sure. show Can back then either. So imagine, can you imagine <laughs> if this movie all of a sudden had a decapitation at like minute 50 kill bill um, style, like the hat just goes through and blood spurts up everywhere. That would be nuts. Um, the, uh, and then we, we do get bond bond finally gets to use his ejector seat. <laughs> that it's dude great. doesn't, that, it's great, but that guy doesn't get a whole lot of air. No. <laughs> and the dummy that rolls on the ground is just hilarious afterwards. Uh, the, my, the dummies in these early movies are so good. My favorite um, part of this scene is the old grandma lady with the, the front gate gun. with the machine gun. <laughs> I have my next note is old lady with machine gun is the MVP of the movie. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I also think this sequence is one where this the ramped up speed uh doesn't look fake to me for the most right. part. Like I think the I think this chase is good. I think it helps that this was done at night yeah i think is what helps all of that move and, along and like on either a massive sound stage or or like on the open road like there's bits that are clearly on the open road mixed yeah. in with the sound stage and it it helps because you, you remember we talked about batman 89 on on vhs files and that car chase is pathetic watching it now yeah. yeah they're all going like like they're driving like they're at a school zone. <laughs> <laughs> this is a chase. This is not a high speed chase. <laughs> right. He's just going to get them. Uh, that crash is intense too. I mean, he, he's struggling to see through the the windshield mm-hmm. and then he just takes that sharp turn straight into a brick wall. I mean, it's, yeah. it's rough. <laughs> I was like, well, Q ain't getting this one back. <laughs> <It's not. laughs> uh, 
and there's that there's that eerie moment where odd job admires his reflection as he's like picking up bond like he looks up in the mirror and just kind of smiles yeah uh, I, I i noticed that and i was like does he see, does he know there's a camera behind this this mirror or something but like no it's that like is it's just very odd um yeah. but i i love i love that and then i mean we get maybe the most uh iconic scene in the movie the the laser mm-hmm. so iconic that <laughs> You know, I've seen it in you've seen it in Austin Powers, you've seen it mm-hmm. in all these things, but I we're I'm currently in the middle of editing a Spider-Man episode and For I sure. was going through uh some some footage of Into the Spider-Verse. Mm-hmm. And I saw the Spider-Ham short that they did for it, which is hilarious, yeah. by the way. Yes, it's great. But there's a reference to the laser scene in the right. Spider-Ham short and I was like God, see like all this Bond stuff I've been missing all these years. Well, and it's so interesting because they're the, the the original i think in the book it was a saw and i think it was in the original script as well and they they changed it for the film and it ends up being one of those kind of serendipitous bits of like uh uh you know reverse engineering in the script because this laser is later used for the big break-in and mm-hmm. uh, i just i just think that that's such an interesting through line and i love that bond is trying his best to play it cool to the point where he mentions i think this is one of the first times we really understand how expendable he is in the program yeah i mean there's um in dr no there's a reference to you know uh there haven't been any casualties in the double o program since m took over and he'd like to keep it that way but bond says point blank here if i fail double o eight replaces me and uh i love that i mean he he knows that he's a number in, in some way and and everything we've had of Goldfinger up to this point has been eh for me. Like, but this was the scene where it was like, okay, this this dude knows what's up because they he do a good do a, job. Yeah. They, they they do a great job of making him seem like like not a threat but a problem. He's not. And a then he goes threat, from being a he, yes. like he goes from being a problem to a major fucking threat. Yeah, and he's yeah he's not a physical threat, but he is. He has means that allow him to extend his grasp beyond what we would expect i mean he he's made this deal with uh with uh foreign powers to build these weapons for him mm-hmm. and he has uh you know the i mean i expect you to die yeah. you know no mr bond i expect you to die is just an undeniably perfect line of dialogue well you know watching it the second time and then the third like you really the first time you watch this, I don't see Goldfinger as much of a threat until you get towards the end of the movie. Yeah. But then when you watch it a couple more times and you really start to grasp what happened and what you watched that first time. Yeah. Uh, he may seem like like a dumbfounded uh, gambler because Bond got the best of him in Miami. Mm-hmm. But from that point on, he's on to Bond from, from there. From, when like Bond he, shows he, up... At the at the golf game, he essentially says, like, you saw what happened the last time you fucked with me. Yeah. I will ruin you. People will keep dying because you won't leave me alone. And, and I there's think, a there's a quiet menace there, I think. Yeah, I think Bond genuinely didn't think he didn't know he was going to be such a a, a a maniacal guy yeah uh, just from what he saw in miami but yeah you know they they presume that he can go have this meeting with goldfinger i mean that was one thing i was a little confused by is are they meeting with goldfinger 
with Goldfinger knowing that he was he obviously knew he was like that was where I was a little bit a little bit confused because he goes after Bond in mm-hmm. Miami and he takes takes Jill out. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, I guess well, the, that was yeah, just my was confusion because he was positioned in Miami to get close to Goldfinger, and because mm-hmm. Bond got uh, mixed up with Jill and then got attacked it kind of set their plan back because they were hoping he would tail him much longer. And so they, mm-hmm. he had to re-intercept him at the country club. Okay. Because yeah. for a moment there, I was like, are they suspect, like, does he not suspect that Bond is the one who was fucking with him in Miami? No, he but knows. That, that makes yeah, no he sense. he definitely so, knows. Yeah. Um, and uh, then we are introduced to Honor Blackman as Pussy Galore. Who are you? My name is Pussy Galore. must be dreaming and mm-hmm. i love her performance so much i think she's so I, I i love her voice i love her the poise that she has she has this very um uh very proper sort <laughs> of standing i i actually when i i did a show in college where i essentially stole her voice to like to play <laughs> to play a fop character where I, I was uh, under a heavy makeup and I delivered all my lines like this. Um, but I think she's, uh, she's so great. And I want her, I want her jacket. I want everything she wears. Her like velour jackets are mm-hmm. <laughs> incredible. She, she is, she is a premise from the moment she's on screen to the end of this movie. Yeah. And, and I love her introduction. I love her character. Mm-hmm. I love that she's in this movie. I don't love what happens to her in this. Movie. I agree. I totally agree. I mean, there's she's she's flirtier in the film in the in the book. In the book, she is uh, pretty un uh, straightforwardly depicted as a lesbian. In this mm. movie, she's she's meant to be. I guess she's playing hard to get. There's a weird. Undercurrent. My, my read on it was she's not interested in Bond at all. She's not. Until yes. she's off the clock. That's when everything changes is when she's off the clock. That is one way in which the movie slightly improves on the source material. It's still dicey as hell. Right. Um, but the yeah, the in, in the in the book, she is portrayed as uninterested in men, period. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the, in the movie, it seems like she's trying to maintain some level of professionalism. Right. Uh, but she's, she's confused by her attraction to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, either way. Yeah. It, it, she, the treatment of pussy galore in this film is, uh, indefensible. Yeah. I mean, that's something we talked about a little bit off mic. Yeah, I mean, that is so much so that, you know, uh, like I mentioned, I was live tweeting a lot of this Mm -hmm. movie. And I sent one particular tweet out, one that shows her in a very strong position. And where I was like, wow, I'm really kind of impressed with what they're doing with this character in this movie. Again, Honor Blackman, a better fighter than Sean Connery. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And then I had to quickly, like reiterate or, or like rescind my statement i was like oh never mind that was fucking gross yeah it goes from uh it goes from dope as hell to problematic in five seconds flat yeah um but before we get there we do get uh this whole bit with the peephole which i love where bond is dress is changing and 
he's being watched through the peephole so he hangs the jacket then he sees there's another one behind the side mirror uh so he opens his case over the peephole and activates the shoe beacon and then he starts shaving and sprays (laughs) shaving cream over the peephole i mean this whole bit is so fun and it's clearly him like having fun with like fucking around with them yeah for sure and there's a couple of moments with him like that like you got the girl peeping on him there and then you've got him in the ranch he's broken out of the cell they put him in to keep him mm-hmm. out of their plans from here yeah. from on out um which oh man is so, the, it's so fucking funny how he gets out of that cell the the ban- yeah we get the this incredible banjo music when they arrive at the, the gold finger farm <laughs> the arc stud uh, and we're introduced to a whole bunch of wise guys at the meeting. Um, and then Bond, yeah, being, uh, he's so cheeky with this jailer where he, he essentially does like a Mr. Bean routine. Like he, <laughs> there's a sequence in, uh, in like the Mr. Bean movie where he's been arrested and he's like doing like, you know, the elevator bit, right? <laughs> like on the other side of a two-way mirror. And that was like, Oh, it's so funny. Like that's essentially what he's doing to this jailer. Um, and then we are, he, he escapes and then we are 70 minutes into the movie when we learn the villain's plan. <laughs> this is my bank. The gold depository at Fort Knox, gentlemen. In its vaults are $15 billion. The entire gold supply. Of the United States. And this scene in itself is pretty fucking hilarious, too, because every second, every time Goldfinger turns around, he's pushing a button to change this Transformer fucking room. And these these guys that are clearly like British actors playing American actors like, wait, hang on, what's going on here? Look out, lefty. Like, there's all sorts of, it's like a a community production of Guys and Dolls, and I love it so much. Uh, There's one guy... This one guy who sounds like Froggy from uh, from Little Rascals, uh, like it's the it's incredible. I love that sequence so much, and uh, he's essentially telling them like, yeah, I've taken investments from all of you, uh-huh. and I can pay you back, but like, what if I used your money to make way more? Mm-hmm. Um, and I love the production design here. I mean, you can tell. Uh, so, you, so Ken Adam returned to to do the production design on this mm-hmm. movie. Uh, he skipped out on From Russia with Love because, excuse me, because he was busy making Doctor Strange Love. You can okay. see that shit all over this sequence. I uh-huh. mean, the model town, the the flipping desks and consoles. I love the gag of Bond's head inside the depository is really funny. Um and he's, he also crushes in terms of like the design of Fort Knox because you're not allowed to film in Fort Knox. No one can go into Fort Knox, not even the president. Wow. And so it's like this, uh, it was this big thing where he did such a great job that Eon Productions and MGM Studios were getting letters from angry American film goers who just couldn't believe that they let a bunch of limey, you know, people, <laughs> limeys into the fucking, into Fort Knox to, to, to film. Uh and yeah, I, uh, this is so good. Uh, this whole sequence is excellent. I mean, it, it has the vibe of that, um, you know, the, the, again, Batman 89, like I kept expecting him to be like, you are a ruthless bastard. Well, it's, it's a couple of Batman, like you got Batman 89. You've got, I've always, I was also getting hints of the dark Knight when the Joker's telling them, Hey, sure. I've got your money. 
and you're yeah. going to do what I tell you to do, you know, wrapped up in a very 19, a uh, very Batman 66 vibe as well. Yeah. But like, I, yeah. And bond is, I love the, the close up of him, like writing down the, the plan and it, you mm-hmm. can tell that like someone else wrote the first part of the note also with a different writing utensil. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, he slips that note into Solo's pocket, not knowing that Solo is about to get fucking squished. About to meet his death at fucking Monster tr- Monster Joe's truck and tow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, that sequence is nuts. I mean, it, it, you know, he's very calm. Uh, Odd Job's very calm as he shoots Solo, drives him to the dump. Mm-hmm. And then this must have been another one of those sequences where they were like, I bet a bunch of people in our audience haven't seen one of these before. Because we watch that whole car gets smashed. I mean, it's like a five minute long sequence of just the, the, you know, the conveyor belt and then each different cube getting smashed and then deposited. When it cuts to odd job next to the little truck (laughs) waiting for the cube, it kills me. And I love that fucking, you got Felix and his buddy, they're hanging out at the Kentucky fried chicken. Yeah. The KFC. (laughs) I'm like, of course they're at KFC. I'm KFC. Uh, yeah, I mean, those two talk about useless until, like, the very end of the movie. They're just yeah. like, I think Bond's got this. I don't, right. I don't know. He seems like he's got it in hand. Yeah, they're at the ranch, and people can see them. There's a guy who goes up to Doctor to uh, to Goldfinger and says, there's guys with binoculars over here. Right. <laughs> but oh, I, mean, I love I, that little bit where he, he brings Bond out to make it look like Bond is having a good time. Yeah. Uh, when it cuts to... When it cuts to Bond in a cell surrounded by like eight guys and he's just kind of like, yeah, all of the guys have got guns on him because he got out. <laughs> oh, it's such a good joke. Um, and the, 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 you know, pussy galore has this little speech where she talks about how when she gets her money from all this, all she wants to do is vanish. She mm-hmm. wants to go buy a little Island and disappear. Go back to nature is what she says. Right. Um, and Bond lets it slip. I mean, I guess we should get into Goldfinger's whole plan. He wants to uh, gas everyone at Fort Knox mm-hmm. and sneak in and steal. Everyone thinks he's going to steal all the gold. And that, in fact, was the plan in the novel. Mm-hmm. Um, as they were writing the movie, they were they realized Ian Fleming had never really thought it through that this movie or that the, that this plan would be impossible he, so, as <laughs> what bond says is what they realized you'd need weeks of time you'd need a you know a zillion trucks you'd have right. to have you'd have to work around the clock to get it to work um and that's when goldfinger's like right i'm not trying to steal the gold i'm gonna irradiate it so that the value of my stockpile goes up it wasn't until that moment where i was like this fucking guy like this is fucking brilliant it's really it's a good plan it's yeah. a really interesting supervillain plan he's not trying to steal the wealth he just wants to make his wealth more impressive and to be honest before i figured that part out i was like mm-hmm. this is just the fucking plan from die hard 3 <laughs> I yeah, I remember you te- you texted me. Die Hard owes a lot to Goldfinger. Um, I was like, this is the whole fucking thing that they do with Fort Knox in New York with right, fucking Simon right. Says. I was like, does this dude work for Goldfinger? But then <laughs> you know, that's what you get for live tweeting. Is you like, you got to finish the plot out, Josh. Well, and and Bond also points out that the nerve gas that 
Goldfinger says will knock people out is actually deadly. He's, yeah. He runs the risk of murdering 60,000 people in this plan. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I love, this is my favorite Goldfinger moment in the movie is when he tells Bond to kind of puzzle it out for himself. Mm-hmm. And Bond goes, of course. And there's a, it cuts to Goldfinger and he does this little, yeah kind of like nose twitch where he's mm-hmm. just like yeah i am a fucking genius like um well you get a little bit of that is great you get a little bit of that before then when he when when mm. pussy tells him that she found him underneath the model and he's like ah operation grand slam not her i loved your little talk and he's like yeah okay so did I. all right yeah, yeah I'm, like, I'm, i am good i'm yeah. good with the guys <laughs> that is a weird thing though like why does he say that he's gonna do he's gonna cut them all in on the deal and then he murders them anyway it almost seems like he yeah. didn't have to it's it's just it that's a weird little thing where i'm like okay well we needed the monologue so bond could see it but if your plan is not to cut them in what's the point point? and then yeah. if you're gonna gas all of them why send solo out to get crushed like it's a whole lot of weird moving parts that don't quite come right. together if you you know upon a second viewing um, and, may, and maybe that's what it is when when bond actually has that light bulb moment and figures mm-hmm. it out and then yeah you've got that great exchange between he and goldfinger where goldfinger's like yep you got it like yeah. i'm an i'm an evil bastard and this is what yeah. actually well i mean this is an evil plan but He's planning on murdering 60,000 people. That's something sure to say. But uh, all of this is just greed. He's doing yeah. all of this for money. It's yeah. not because he wants a world domination or any of that. I mean, in a sense, I guess. But this is all yeah. just to, to fatten his pockets. Yeah. And that's, Which, that, is a, that is a new kind of evil that we have not uh, seen in these movies. I mean, uh, Dr. No's plan was strictly built out of pride. Mm-hmm. And from Russia with love, the plan is um, not only revenge, but also uh, sabotage over international affairs to turn America and Russia and everyone else against each other. Right. And then this movie is purely greed, personal gain. I yeah. mean, there's no, we cut out all the spies, all the espionage. This is one man who has amassed a fortune and wants his fortune to be the only one that matters. Which again as big of a lover of Die Hard as I am, <laughs> the plot of Die Hard. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, for sure. So th- that's the other f- the other lens I watched these movies through this time was seeing how much the films that I love were mm-hmm. truly influenced by, and not because of the visual gags, the comedy that comes out of it, like in Austin Powers, mm-hmm. and all of those sort of, like story. The, the, the actual story beats that that have been borrowed from these movies, you know, uh, just all of that kind of stuff. Even the the ridiculousness of Friday the 13th taking scenes from yeah. from, from from Russia with love. Like all, there's there's more than just that surface level stuff that we've mm-hmm. that, that that Hollywood has taken from these movies. It's more than that. It's it's, it's all encompassing with these Absolutely. stories and these plots. And I was I was literally blown away when I once this movie was over because I was like, it started so slow. It really is the it is the and template. Then, I mean, yeah. it's the yeah, there's so many movies that follow in this movie's footsteps. Absolutely. Yeah. Um the one thing that I'm glad um, more movies don't do is the following scene with Pussy Galore. I mean, as as much as I I love the the exchange of he's quite mad, you know, and her just kind of 
having this moment of realization of it, it you can see so much in her eyes where she's essentially just like you're right yeah. i've like i'm following this awful person because i'm trying to make money like why am i right. um their little judo fight is pretty great except for his weird sped up one because she <laughs> she's clearly like chucking him around yeah and and then he has to they have to do like the weird ramp up for him um and yeah i mean she straight up tells him like i'm not interested Mm -hmm. and he holds her down and kisses her and then she's into it yes if it if the (sighs) and nathan and i really (laughs) nathan and i really try to hold our thoughts for this show because this is the whole point of it but you know i texted nathan at this point in the movie and i was like did this just happen and nathan was like yeah that just fucking happened it's a bummer it's one of those things where the the intention of the movie is immaterial, I think, mm-hmm. because of uh, just how we view these things now. I don't know. I mean, right. the it, it's clear from her reaction in the movie after the kiss that she was trying to resist him and changed her mind about him. Or like mm-hmm. she, she was attracted to him, but didn't want that to get in the way of work. Like you mentioned earlier, she it, she seems to behave differently in this scene from everywhere right. else in the movie and i think that that is a that is a consequence of the movie trying to soften a a, a reprehensible thing from the book um unfortunately it then becomes this middle ground where it's neither here nor there but it's still gross yeah well there if that if that part of it wasn't gross enough yeah. there's a little caveat on it towards the mm. end of the movie too when you know, you find out that the what is the the group of girls with the planes? The flying, oh, Pussy Galore's Flying Circus. <clears throat> yeah, when you find out that Pussy Galore's Flying Circus didn't actually gas these people, right? And you find out that Pussy told As the American, defected. yeah, she defected, and it because of what happened with Bond, right? But he, he, they, they had to throw in the line of, I guess I appealed to her maternal instincts, and I was like. I was like, yeah. like I, I was grossed out earlier, but that's just fucking ridiculous. Like, yeah, and it, it, unfortunately, put the movie in a fairly bad light for me. I agree. I mean, so. it's not, it's not good, and and it's, it's even worse when, you know, you you take into account Ian Fleming's uh, personal opinions in real life, and mm-hmm. and how he kind of viewed this as, I mean. In the book, it's almost like Bond is it's meant to be Bond like changing the mind of this deviant, yeah, you know, or like curing her in a way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, we know that that's not a fucking thing, like, right? <laughs> and, and that's uh, and and if that's the way the book portrays it, then the screen portrays it a different way, which is you know, just as fucking bad. Neither of them work. Neither no. of them work. And it's and it does, it leaves a bad taste in your mouth when you finish this movie because it is it, you know, her pussy galore's uh turn is meant to be turned to the to the you know the side of MI6 is meant to be a uh fist pumping triumphant moment, but it's wrapped up in this like 
heavy layer of misogyny yeah. and and just yeah weird disregard for her agency as a character yeah uh, and it's sad because of how strong of a character she is up until that moment i agree i love this performance it was a it was a character that, and the thing is it was a character she was proud to have played yeah. uh you know in later years she would talk about how she you know she understand she understood that like the there were bits of it, this that didn't work for people, um, but she's so happy to have played this character and have been a part of this legacy. And uh, yeah, I, I think that that's the, that's one of the biggest things. One of the biggest reasons I don't really come back to this movie a whole lot is I feel like it fails every character that isn't James Bond. Yeah. It's, it's definitely, and, and we kind of touched on this in the last episode where I was concerned that it would always be this, this, people going after James Bond stuff and, mm-hmm. and really like the, the, the only reason Goldfinger is doing anything with James Bond in this is because James Bond won't get the fuck we'll out leave of his him way. Alone. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I, I really like that aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that stuff is just in, you know, again, different times, different, you know, different writers, different, yeah. different culture back then, but it doesn't make it, you know, it doesn't make a movie like this that I was enjoying it yeah. kind of brings it down, you know. Well, and that's been like one of the one of the main guiding lights of the Daniel Craig era is that they're 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 making a they've made a uh, conscious decision to try to move away from things like that to mm-hmm. at least you know give these characters more agency or give their lives some weight. Doesn't always follow through on that. I think that the that Skyfall kind of fails. Uh, the female characters as much as I think that movie is ex- exceptional. Um, and I, 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 yeah, it's, it's unfortunately uh, a, a stain on an otherwise yeah. uh, pretty fantastic romp and character. And it got me thinking like, this was the first, you know, I think a lot of the reason I do like her character as well is, is that it's, it's, it's a first sort of like, you know, we had Mrs. Toro or Miss Toro in mm-hmm. Dr. No, who was kind of a female villain in a sense, more like mm-hmm. a sidekick sort of thing. But, uh, you know, I kind of felt the, I felt more intimidated by pussy galore <laughs> sure. than I did Goldfinger a lot of the time. So yeah. I, I like the fact that we had a strong female presence opposed to, to James. And yeah. I'm like, I, I, I kind of want to see a, a, a good female villain against James Bond. Got me thinking about like, why haven't good, good actresses who have portrayed bad people like Lena, he- Lena Headey from fucking game of Thrones. Like why hasn't she been a bond villain, dude? She'd like, be great. She'd yeah. Be great. Fuck, and, she should be James Bond. Like, like <laughs> <laughs> right. Let's do it. So it's, it, I've been thinking a lot about that lately, like yeah. certain, certain things where we've had, you know, casting choices and whatnot. I, I was also on Twitter. I've been on a Twitter rant here lately, but I was like, why the fuck aren't we considering a female for the role of the crow? Like, why are we so worried about the guy getting oh, the yeah, right guy in the role? That. Yeah. I was like, we've seen plenty of females kick fucking ass on screen. Like I would totally see a female version of the crow. Like let's get read, on that. Um, there's a great mini series called uh, the crow flesh and blood mm-hmm. that, that features a, a woman as the crow um unfortunately there were there were a lot of pitches back in the 90s for a movie like that and yeah. the studio kept turning it down because they wanted to kind of stick with what worked the first time mm-hmm. and when you consider that that studio was Miramax you start to realize like maybe there were other <laughs> motives behind uh <laughs> that shit not happening yeah. unfortunately yeah. um yeah it's it's a bummer and it's you know it, it's 
there there is a really fun sequence that comes up with with pussy galore later that that kind of takes a little bit of the sting out of some of that but at at the same time it's like you said like the damage is done and bond's comments after this are not great yeah uh you know even his last line where he's just like you know don't start looking for a rescue yet like it's just a fucking (laughs) i'm not (laughs) done with you yet yeah like yeah and there's, uh, you know, I didn't really touch on this, but when he's with Jill in the bedroom earlier in the movie and uh, he's talking to Felix on the phone and he just pushes her face away like. Oh, ah. I thought that was a little cute. Uh, like, I, I don't know. Maybe maybe that's just because uh, my my girlfriend smacks me on the ass all the time. But like <laughs> <laughs> that was uh, I thought that was like a playful roughhousing. I don't love it when he's actively hurting someone. You know what I right. mean? Um, um uh, I, I wrote down here because uh, this is where we get the big attack on Fort Knox. Mm-hmm. And I think all of this takes too long. I love the coordinated passing out. I love the music. I think the music here slaps during mm-hmm. the air raid. Right. Uh, it makes me laugh that the uh, that one of them goes four, three, two, zero. Zero. Ginny <laughs> uh, pointed that out. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I, it, it just, it goes on for so long. And I think this was a case of like, Oh, we've got all this aerial footage. We should use it. Right. Right. Uh, this is my third and final reference to a diehard movie. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. The, uh, the, the fight between he and odd job reminds mm-hmm. me a lot of the, uh, Carl and, uh, sure. Uh, John and John fight and yeah. diehard. Uh, it just, cause it's kind of like an industrial sort of place and it, like it yeah. looks very similar and it's kind of a slower fight for an action scene, line, you know? Yeah. And, and it's, this is where odd job kind of becomes like the Terminator. Like he's yeah. taking all these hits. He's not even wincing. Bond has to electrocute him to kill him. <laughs> he fucking throws that gold bar at him and it just bounces off of his chest. Oh yeah. He kind of, he looks at him like. <laughs> Like he just fucking <laughs> takes off. It's so good. Um, yeah, every, I love the shot of uh, everyone wait because there's a second here where you're like, "Fuck!" They just killed Felix. They killed this whole town. Yeah. And the shot of everyone waking up and attacking is so good. And mm-hmm. this kind of begins like a, a little bit of a uh, a tradition of these coordinated attacks happening around Bond. Yeah. It's kind of like a, a set piece that they'd go back to because they're like, well, it's it's way cooler to have like a whole bunch of guys having a shootout. Right. Um, Goldfinger killing Mr. Ling <laughs> and faking being a soldier is pretty great. Jenny, oh, this is why I love my wife. When this scene happened, she was laughing so hard when she when he came out in that general's outfit. And he runs over and he's like, he's with them you go get them like and it's like clearly like oh we didn't show up with you my guy jenny this is what jenny said when that happened she goes wow he reminds me of donald trump (laughs) he loves playing dress up yeah oh man it was a lot of people are saying um, yeah it's rough i mean i i i love that i love that that he he gets away and then odd job refuses to like he knows he's gonna die in this you know when this bomb goes off and he still won't break with the plan his Um, his job is to take bond out like yeah and when bond bond opens up that little thing and looks at the bomb 
and he has this look on his face like fuck me running yeah like what are what is all there's a there's a sketch on i think you should leave on netflix this season where a guy is like can't drive his car he keeps hitting the brakes and the guy behind him goes don't you know how to fucking drive a car and he goes no i don't know what any of this shit is and i'm fucking scared like, and that's what that's what bond's reaction is here and the icing on the cake is when the guy walks in and just fucking turns it off <laughs> it's like one little switch and bond just goes what like what took you so long um and the bomb stops at 007 now i also want to make a comment here because that bomb should have went off four minutes before anybody entered sure. this place that, that too What's so funny is like, I think the 007 was a last minute choice, like uh-huh. for the second unit or something, because Bond's line is three more ticks and that bomb would have gone off. Wow. Like he, he, so I think, I think that no one was really talking to each other about that. Um, uh, yeah. But when it, yeah, of course, when it stopped, I was like, of course it stopped. It's so funny. <laughs> it's so funny. And uh, yeah, the day is saved and Bond will come back in Thunderball. Thunderball. Wow. Uh, Yeah, I mean, yeah, my overall experience (laughs) with this one was like, it it took me three times to watch it. I watched it three times because like it took me that many times to really kind of get going with with it. it. Yeah, I get Uh, that. The first time I turned it on, I watched about half of it, and I I had something I needed to do. I could have finished watching the movie, but I was like, I'm gonna go do what I need to do. Like yeah. it was one of those sort of sort of watches. And then, um, but I, when I watched it with Jenny the other night, I really enjoyed it, and it was probably because I really started to catch on after seeing it a couple of times mm-hmm. what was actually going on here. Yeah, and that's that's the big thing about you know I said when we watched for, uh, from from Russia with love that I kind of had a little bit of a hard time understanding it but by the time yeah. it was over I, I got it same yeah. thing here and I think I think that's probably just kind of gonna be the thing with bond is like they're gonna make you think it's really smart when it's really just simple there's you a know? few of these that get too convoluted I will yeah. tell you that there's there's some of these that I love where I have a hard time summing up the plot and and as we go along it's gonna get it's gonna get more difficult for me to do my 007 (laughs) seconds or less i will tell you that much um but yeah this this movie um is one that i i i like i respect for what it uh brought to the series but it's not one that i revisit very often uh yeah there's stuff about it that uh icks me out and there's stuff about it that like i don't um i feel like the other movies did better that being said it has i mean if you're talking about like the prototype, right? Mm-hmm. Like this is, if you, if, if the movie was Q taking you through Q branch and showing you all the bells and whistles that make a James Bond movie, he would That's, show you Goldfinger. Yeah. Uh, and he'd say, do pay attention, Josh. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, like here's, <laughs> here's the, here's the car. Here's the gadgets. Here's the girls. Here's the overly complicated supervillain plot. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and here's the pithy one liners. And I, I, for that, I, I think it's worth a watch. It's not one of my favorites, but I understand that it matters, you yeah. know? And, and like I mentioned earlier, watching these in, in close proximity and watching them multiple times, mm-hmm. like I'm doing, um, it's going to be very easy for me to find a lot of these similarities yeah. going forward. And, and it's might hurt my opinion of some of them sometimes because sure. like this one, Odd job has such a high stature in the Bond villain category, mm-hmm. but I did not find him as menacing as Red Grant, which, sure. you know, 
Red Grant kind of. And again, you know, this movie definitely suffers from from watching like back to back with from from Rush with Love because that's yeah. that is to me like the the pinnacle of early Bond. Because while they are two different characters, Oddjob is very similar to Red in in that he doesn't talk. Sure, you know, he he doesn't talk at all. You get very little from Red, but mm-hmm. even with Red not talking most of for uh, the other movie you get a lot more character out of the sure. performance, Robert Shaw's performance there. Um, I think mm-hmm. you get exactly what the actor was trying to do here with odd job as well. I just, yeah, I agree. I just don't find it as menacing as it's red, not as, as compelling red. and it's not written. It's not written as compellingly either. Yeah. Um, that being said, uh, Josh, if we're looking at, we're looking straight down the, the, the barrel at the Thunderball. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you had to guess what Thunderball is about, what would you say? My prediction. Yeah. For Thunderball. All right, Criswell. <laughs> <laughs> Bond has a new woman in his life. Okay. And he's going to take her to the Thunderball. The Thunderball, which is a covert operation of some evil corporation. I love it. But, but Bond's new dame may be oh, more, more. But Bond's new dame may be more dangerous than she appears. Oh, that's my prediction for Thunderball on Thunderball Z. <laughs> uh, yeah, man, this was fun. I, any, do you have any other notes that we haven't covered or anything you want to hit on before we we get out of here? Uh, no, I mean not as many. Um, not as many quotes in this mm-hmm. one as I thought there were in Russia from Russia with love. I do love when Pussy Galore introduces him, herself and he goes, I must, I must be, be dreaming. It's good. Good. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean a lot of like what you said, this made me realize that this movie is setting up the, the blueprint for probably what I'm going to be seeing a lot of moving forward. And it was, it was the fastest like grossing film of all time when this came, I mean, it like it made it, this movie, turned bond into a phenomenon mm-hmm. uh i mean there, there's a reason why i mean more than anything else this movie is the reason why this franchise is still going i think yeah. like this really pushed it into the stratosphere people couldn't get enough of these movies after this um yeah. so i i think for that it's it's you know it's worth mentioning and the and the annals of you know great films uh important films uh, but, but, yeah, what, what, I, but but much like with good art, like the more you the more you look at it, the more you watch it, the more you reference it, mm-hmm. the more you will get out of it. Um, the problem I'm having with the Bond movies so far is mm-hmm. is that first watch of them, and sure. really getting what I need to get out of that first watch. Yeah. And uh, but the more the more you watch them, the more you get out of them, the more you kind of see the story develop the way you should have, you know, the mm-hmm. first time. You're like, oh, shit, that's what I missed. It's, it's, it's much like with any movie that we go back and watch all the time, like Batman 89. Like, yeah. I'm sure even though we probably loved that first watch we saw of Batman 89, the reason we love it as much as we do is because we continue to find more and more as we watch it. I agree. Yeah. And I think I think that's going to be the same thing with the Bond movies. It's it's I, I was kind of dreading. I'm always dreading that first watch because I'm afraid that first watch isn't going to do it for me. But. Sure. The second watch and then the third, like I'll start to see. And then especially with you and I talking about them, I'm like, oh, now I see what I didn't see then. Yeah. And I think it'll be interesting to see like what our rankings are as we go through these, because I'm like you said, I'm 
pretty familiar with these movies and I there's there's stuff that I'm catching now that I didn't catch before and and things that have kind of made them bump up or down in my in my rankings. Um, I mean, I even I even pointed out something you didn't know this episode with the actress who played Karen Bay's lady in the last. Yeah. And I'm I'm curious about the next one because uh, Thunderball is is another one that I I have uh, some feelings about that I'm curious to revisit it because it's been a minute since I've watched this one. Mm -hmm. I, I will say I, I saw last night in Soho not too long ago, and there's a there's a scene in that movie where she's going through downtown Paris, or or there's, what, the, there's the Thunderball, and there's uh, the Thunderball marquee, and it's lit yeah. up all bright, and it's, I was like, it just made me want to watch Thunderball <laughs> for sure. Yeah, and I I yeah, I'm curious to see how that one holds up for me, and I um next time I'll have some uh, fun little production bits. We're gonna get into the lengthy legal battle between Ian Fleming and, and uh, Kevin McClory. And we will talk about the, uh, and uh, we'll talk about the various theme songs that were submitted for this one, because there are actually more than more than one. Uh, so we're, we're going to get now that now that bond is a phenomenon. And now that they're selling Aston Martin toys and people <laughs> are excited. This is the first bond movie to win an Oscar at one for best sound editing. Wow. Um, they're going to, uh, the people are going to be banging down Eon productions doors to be involved in this movie. So I, I, I think Thunderball is going to be a really fun one to talk about from a production standpoint, too. Nice. Well, you'll have that to look forward to next mm-hmm. month. Nathan, anything you want to plug before we get out of here tonight? So we are uh, done with Silver Linings playlist for the season, but um, I just we... listened to your Vivarium episode. Very, very good episode, by the Thank way. Thank you so much. Uh, the screenwriter actually sent us a message on Twitter instead of enjoyed nice. the episodes. That that made me feel really good because that was a movie that uh, really bummed me out. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, our our last couple episodes of the season have been pretty great. If you want to go back and and give those a listen, we just uh, covered. We ended the season with Mask of the Phantasm, uh, Matrix Reloaded, and uh, our season finale was a review of The Thing, John Carpenter's The Thing, uh, one of my all-time favorite films. That was one of my favorite favorite episodes we've done on our VHS Absolutely. Great episode. Uh, And... uh, uh, AIPT Comics podcast. Uh, we are uh, we took a week off, but we're back every weekend. Uh, comic book reviews, interviews with creators, uh, our favorite cover art, and comic book news. And oh, that's a scary movie. Just came back after taking a brief break for the holidays, and we kicked off the year with none other than 1984's Children of the Corn. So uh, <laughs> enjoy that little trip down. He who uh, walks behind the rose. <laughs> Outlander. <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, check those out. And uh, that's all I got, Josh. All right. Well, that's going to do it for our conversation about mm-hmm. Goldfinger tonight on For New Eyes Only. Goldfinger. If you liked our discussion, if you have any comments, any suggestions, any information that we didn't talk about in this yeah. episode, please feel free to leave us a comment. Leave us a five-star review on iTunes and all that jazz. If Make you've sure been you... in Fort Knox, let us know. Yeah. I mean, we want to see what that looks like. <laughs> Obviously, it looks a lot like it did in this movie. But Right. Uh, but and make sure you hit that like button, subscribe, all that good jazz. Until next time, Nathan. Stay shaken. Never stirred. Yeah. <laughs>